Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. What I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program. We are headed to the end of February, and a big weekend. Indiana squeezes out a win at home over Illinois. That was a much-needed win to bounce back as this Indiana team able to find a way to get it done. That's about, I think, what you can say about Saturday's game at Assembly Hall. The IU women, they were the talk of the weekend, winning a Big Ten championship, only their second ever in the history of the program and you really have to wonder how good is this Indiana team and could they be a national championship contender? I think the answer is most definitely yes, but could they play with somebody like South Carolina who should go into the tournament as the overall number one seed? Uh, this Indiana team, I was not there Sunday, but videos, watching the game, photos, assembly hall was packed. It was awesome. What an environment for that team and for Coach Terry Morin, where that program has been taken, and where can they go from here? So uh, that was fun. And it was a big weekend for girls basketball, not only the Indiana women getting a lot of the headlines as they should, but also girls semi-states, two local teams from Lanesville and Cordon, uh, both Harrison County teams headed to state championship games this weekend. And really for the girls, Bedford is in the Hoosier Hills Conference. I know it's an hour and 15, 20 minutes away from here, but uh, they are back in the 4A state championship game as well. And then just a little more to our west, Forest Park, who won a girls title last year, they are back as well in the state finals. So there are four legitimate South teams that was uh, that will be playing uh, next Saturday in the state championship games in Indianapolis. So that's really cool to see. And of course, on top of all of that, on Sunday night, when you think you might relax and get ready for the week ahead, um, we got pairings last night for the boys' tournament. We now know everything that looks ahead, that lays ahead for us as far as high school boys basketball here in the area, and uh, exciting to uh, to think about the matchups and what could shake out, and we'll take you through those sectionals uh, coming up here in just a bit. It's a busy show, a busy week, but it's all basketball and we're entering a great time. I know over in Kentucky, I've got some some radio games later this week. Uh, they're entering their district tournaments this week. Some of them actually started yesterday on Sunday. So there'll be some good games in Louisville this week. And, of course, the girls' tournament rolls along here in Indiana. The boys' tournament getting ready to begin. College hoops coming down to the crunch time. The co- conference tournaments will be here before you know it. Just a great time right now. Take it all in. Enjoy it. Watch as much of it as you can. Uh, but just 
a lot of fun. Also, before we move any further, I got to tell you, last night we had a great show. Thanks to 10 coaches in the area that join me for our tournament pairings special here on the Big X. It's a tradition that we do every year. Got to get immediate reactions from local coaches that teams we think have a a chance to compete to win a sectional here locally. And it was great to talk with so many different coaches last night and just recap the season so far, talk about what could happen in the tournament. And I know we had a lot of listeners for that last night. I've had a lot of requests for the podcast if you missed it or didn't get to hear the whole thing. So if you want to hear from 10 coaches last night, we've got it uh, on our podcast feed. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Uh, but we'd love to uh, get you to check that out. And all sorts of coaches uh, joining the program last night. We had uh, 1A coaches, Doc Nash of Borden, Hayden Casey of Christian Academy. In 2A, that's going to be a great sectional at Southwestern. David Benner of Brownstown, Jared Hill of Henryville, and Providence coach Ryan Miller were with us last night. From 3A, Silver Creek coach Brandon Hoffman. And then 4A, we had Floyd Central boss Greg Walters, Jeffersonville coach Sharon Wilkerson, Josh Land from up at Jennings County. They've had a great year. And, of course, New Albany coach Jim Shannon. You can hear from all of those guys in our tournament uh, pairing special, the podcast. And I put it online a little earlier for those of you that uh, missed it and want to link to it. But you can also find it in our podcast feed as well. Let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one. We'll, we'll cover as much as we can. We're not going to get to everything. We've got the IU-Illinois men's game to talk about, a little bit from the IU Women's Big Ten Championship on Sunday, and I want to go through the local pairings uh, as well, so stay with us for that. Also, later in the show, we'll be joined by Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach with us on Mondays as we talk IU hoops. We've got to talk the men. Big week ahead for them. Big Ten Conference play slowly coming to a close. For the IU women, a Big Ten championship. We'll talk all that and more with Zach today uh, from the star. And then later, local sports, the pairings, girls' state finals with some local flavor. Uh, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, will be with us. Uh, He's with me every Monday as we talk through some of the local headlines to get the week started. And we've got a lot to talk about today, so we'll get to that coming up uh, as well. That's the show lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Right now at Thornton's, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And let's get into some of the headlines from the day. First, Indiana, the men, they found a way to get it done. It wasn't uh, necessarily uh, at all the best performance of the season for this Indiana men's basketball team, but they were able to get it done. 71-68, the final score. Indiana, 19-8 and overall, so they're going to get to that 20 win and exceed that. They should this season. And 10-6 and right now in Big Ten Conference play. So really good for Indiana to get that win back bouncing back from the loss earlier in the week. Also, Trace Jackson Davis, we talk about his stat lines, we talk about how dominant he has been 
Jackson Davis 7 for 13 uh, from the field in the second half. He pulled down nine rebounds in the second half. He played all 20 minutes in the second half and once again finishes with another double-double, 26 points and 12 rebounds. And thought it was kind of funny as well, in the game on Saturday, he actually passed Mike Woodson, uh, who is on the all-time scoring list at Indiana. Uh, he went above him. So Trace Jackson's, Jackson Davis continuing to uh, move up the list, and he does so with 26 points and 12 rebounds uh, for Indiana over the weekend. His second half, obviously, key to Indiana getting a uh, win there. No question about that. Also, Jalen Huchifino, you know, he wasn't great early in the game, but he did play very well as things rolled along and actually was big late in that contest, I thought, for Indiana. So he's been up and down. He's really good. He's loaded with talent. I think his stay in Bloomington is going to be a short time. I think we all agree about that. But he's not always consistent. If there's one thing you knock the freshman for, and that's, I guess, kind of par for the course probably with even some of the best freshmen like Hood Shafino in the country, uh, maybe consistency is a knock on him. But for him to get started bad, sometime he continues that or never gets out of that funk. He did on Saturday. He had some good moments later in the contest for Indiana. Uh, and bench production for Indiana. If they're going to win the Big Ten tournament or if they're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, Indiana's going to have to get more help from their bench. They had three points. That's all the bench had at Northwestern, which was a loss for the Hoosiers, and it wasn't much better on Saturday at Assembly Hall. Uh, So I tell you what, four points off the bench in 40 minutes, uh, four players who log minutes off the bench combined for four points, that's uh, a a negative, uh, to be quite honest, with this Indiana team. And then Miller Kopp, I thought, bounced back from a tough night, a rough night for him uh, at Northwestern. He had some key shots for Indiana in the game. But ultimately, Indiana gets the win. That's what it's about in this rough and tough Big Ten Conference. There is no game on the schedule that you can feel sure about. There have been crazy scores here over the last few weeks. Look at the struggles that Purdue is having after the dominant start that they had. I think people thought they were just going to run through things based on how they started conference play. But Indiana getting a much-needed win And as things beginning to unwind here in the regular season, there's going to be some other big ones coming up where this team's securely in the tournament, but how high can they get uh, in the – how high can they get uh, in the conference standings finally? What type of situation can they set themselves up for as far as uh, things go in the conference tournament? Uh, Definitely very interesting to see and some big games ahead for this Indiana team. The IU women over the weekend, uh, just a historic game. Uh, Terry Morin uh, becoming a legend here in our state with what she's been able to do with the women's basketball program. Uh, Number two ranked Indiana wins the Big Ten Conference Championship for the first time in years. Only the second ever conference championship for the women at Indiana. And they have progressively gotten better each and every year under Coach Morin, and they are doing it with some local products. They are doing it with some products from across the world, to be quite honest with you. But really amazing to see the success that they are having and need to see Coach Morin, who really has an unbelievable uh, pass to her. I-, I was looking at her playing days at Purdue. She's from Seymour. She played for Donna Sullivan, who has been a high school basketball girls legend in our state, somebody that's always been around southern Indiana from Scottsburg to Seymour. 
Seymour to Southwestern, a lot of different schools over the years, and then just a Hall of Fame coach at really at every stop she's been at. Uh, but just so many connections for her. She came up through the, the grassroots of college basketball, the women's side of things, and finally got a chance to be a head coach at a high major school like Indiana after spending so many years in this state. And what she's been able to get accomplished, just uh, amazing. So no surprise at all, Indiana won the Big Ten championship with how they've been playing. I think the sky is the limit for there. Is it truly them in South Carolina, the best two women's teams in the country? I think the answer is yes. What is the gap between the two? I don't know. Uh, there was a time I thought South Carolina may be unbeatable, but this Indiana team playing really well. So March is going to be fun because there's so much going on, and Indiana, the men are going to be in the mix somewhat, we believe. Uh, but this women's team, they may get some of the focus in March uh, if they are able to make a tear through the NCAA tournament. So that should be a lot of fun, no question about that. That's a look at our headlines. I do want to catch quickly before we go to commercial break some of the pairings of interest from local sectionals. Uh, tell you what, West Washington, the 1A sectional, it's going to be good. West Washington and Borden in Game 1, Rock Creek and Christian Academy in Game 2. South Central got a bye. They'll take on the West Washington-Borden winner. That should be a good game. Lanesville gets a bye. They will take on the Rock Creek Christian Academy winner. And I tell you what, you're looking at probably, I would guess, a Christian Academy uh, against either Borden or South Central uh, in the championship game. Borden and Christian Academy specifically in the championship could be a lot of fun there at West Washington. You know there'll be a great crowd. All of those schools uh, have great support from their community, from their school environments, and that's going to be a good one. As is sectional 46 in Class 2A. That's where the potential for a Providence-Brownstown rematch exists. And that matchup getting a lot of hype. Providence wants another shot at the Braves now that they're healthy. Game one, Henryville and Austin. Game two, Brownstown and Eastern Pekin. Game three, another first-round game, Clarksville and Providence. So if Providence is going to make a move here, they're going to have to beat a rival school in Clarksville. That's a rematch of the town championship from the regular season. Southwestern Hanover, they're the host team. They are good. They had a big win over the weekend. They will get a bye, and they have the winner of Henryville and Austin. So a Southwestern-Henryville game, if it shakes out that way, that could be a great semifinal on Friday. Brownstown, they should have no problems with Eastern Pekin, and you would think Providence would be able to beat Clarksville again. That would set up a huge Friday night, maybe the best Friday night as far as crowds and pairings go. If it was Southwestern against Henryville and Brownstown against Providence up at Southwestern of Hanover. Over. That could be a lot of fun. 3A sectional 30, that's going to be at Charles uh, Charlestown. We'll have Chad Gilbert, the AD, on a little bit later with us in the program today. That is a sectional where I think Scottsburg is the favorite, but there are a number of teams that are maybe just a notch below Scottsburg that can compete for a sectional championship. North Harrison and Corden, that's a great game one to kick off things at Charlestown. Game two, Madison against Scottsburg. That's probably the best team on paper in the sectional against the worst team on paper in the sectional. Then you've got the another first-round game, Charlestown and Silver Creek. Salem got a bye. They'll get the North Harrison-Cordon winner. And then the Scottsburg-Madison winner will get the Silver Creek-Charlestown winner. So 
could set up for some decent semifinals on Friday night of sectional week there. Of course, sectional 4A, uh, number 15 up at Seymour, Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium. That's where all the 4A schools locally feed into. And the top half of that bracket is where all three co-champions of the Hoosier Hills Conference were drawn. Game one, Bedford North Lawrence against Jennings County. Game two, rival game, Floyd Central and New Albany on the opening night of sectional play. Game three, that's a Friday semifinal. Jeffersonville gets one of two bye positions. They will take on the winner of Bedford and Jennings County. So again, for the Red Devils, if they're going to get to the sectional championship, if Sharon Wilkerson's team's going to have a chance to win it in his first year as head coach, they got the bye. That's probably good news, but they're going to have to take on somebody really good on Friday night, either Jennings, who I think I would put is still the favorite. Maybe it's a slight favorite now at Seymour, but Bedford is really good, and Jeffersonville is coming on strong. The Red Devils had a great win on Friday night, a game that we broadcast here on the Big X over Evansville Wrights. Wrights a 15-win team, and Jeff built a big lead. Now they had to hang on down the stretch, a lot like they had to do against Jennings County uh, a week or so ago, but Jeff able to get the win. They are playing good, getting some leadership from Connor Lyons, a senior, and getting a lot of sophomore play. We know Singleton and Cooper and so many of those sophomores for the Red Devils are really good. Of course, the second semifinal at Seymour, Seymour got a bye, and they're nothing to, to just to, uh, no slouch. I mean, they're not going to be easy, especially on their home floor. Kirk Manns has Seymour into a legitimate ball club. New Albany or Floyd Central, whoever wins that Tuesday rivalry game, will take on Seymour. So just a lot of great matchups, a lot of great storylines, fun to talk to the coaches last night, fun to think about how this thing could play out. Uh, I do think it's set up well for the fans. There should be some great crowds at some of these sectionals, especially on Friday night for the semifinals. But uh, hard to believe that we've got one more week of the regular season. I know some teams have one game, a handful of local teams have two games, but no matter how you cut it, High school basketball in the regular season is coming to an end very soon. And uh, all attention now going to the sectional pairings uh, after they were released in Indianapolis yesterday afternoon. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join IU men with a win over Illinois. They got it done. It was much needed. And the women are Big Ten regular season champions. We'll discuss all of that more next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us as we talk IU basketball and more. And, Zach, I want to start with the women. First Big Ten championship 
since 1983. The uh, 83 champs were there to celebrate another Big Ten title with this year's team. An unbelievable atmosphere, and it's amazing what Coach Morin and the women's program, how they've elevated things even further this year with great successes. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of things you, you could say about that team. I mean, it's, it's not just winning the Big Ten. It's, it's the way they've done it. The Big Ten has consistently had, you know, three, four teams in and around the top 12 nationally all year. Indiana's beaten you know, Indiana's only loss is to Michigan State when I think I think Grace Berger was still injured for that game. She wasn't injured; she was just coming back. Um, you know, and, and obviously Michigan State, I think he's going to finish with a losing record in conference play. But the, the the turnabout to that is that means Indiana's beaten literally everybody else in the Big Ten that is is you know could could meaningfully challenge them, and they've won a lot of those games. I mean, by 15, 20, 25 points. Um, you know, they have made good teams, even very good teams, look. But frankly, pedestrian. They can attack you from a lot of different angles. When they want to lock down defensively, they are experienced. They have so much length. I mean, they, you know, it, 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 it's slightly reductive, but you know, you think about the length they have—a front court that goes legitimate, like six-two, six-three, six-five. Um, obviously, very experienced. And, and I think the other thing that, that at least it feels like from from my seat has has gone a little bit sort of underappreciated in, in this particular season. Um, you know, Indiana was supposed to regress a little bit. Not a lot, but, you know, they lost Nicole Cardano-Hillary, Ali Patberg, Alexa Goulbay, you know, that, that you know, at least the, some of the pieces, obviously they still had Grace Berger and they still had Mackenzie Holmes, they still had Chloe Moore McNeil sort of coming through, but they lost some core pieces from that group that, you know, put together a three-year run that was just about as good as anybody in the conference with the exception of maybe Maryland, went to the Elite Eight during the COVID season, went to the Sweet 16 last year. And this was supposed to kind of be a year to, to you know, back off a little bit and reset. And yet, the players that came back, whether it was Berger, certainly Mackenzie Holmes, Chloe Moore McNeil, have just elevated their game even further. Once again, Terry Morin has found transfers that fit right away in Sydney Parish and Sarah Scalia. And Yarden Garzon, I think, is, I mean, she's a freshman, and I think that there's every chance we're talking about her as, you know, if not the best, one of the best players in programs in history before her career is done. I think she has an outstanding game. Um, and so Indiana, instead of kind of being a team that maybe treaded water a little bit, you know, sort of consolidated some gains in the previous three years while replacing some key pieces, has managed to get even better. And I think that's reflective of a, of a culture that is becoming pervasive within that program that you just – you can't argue with results. They're as good as anybody in the country. Zach, I, uh, we know this Indiana team's very good. There's no question about that. Are they national championship good? And I know South Carolina has been at the top of the heap basically all season long. Are, are they untouchable? Could Indiana play with them? Could this be a march where Indiana's women have legitimate national title hopes after what we've seen here this season? If they don't, then we all overestimated the Big Ten all season, you know, and, and I know that, you know, there, there are some teams that have kind of popped up like in Ohio State and sort of sunk back down a little bit, and, um, you know, the, the Iowa's been kind of high and low, but the flip side is part of that has been because they keep losing to Indiana, you know, this is, this is <laughs> I don't mean to be flippant about it, but this is one of those things that can sometimes happen when you get a team that is dominant. I think maybe we, we were saying this a little bit about Purdue on the men's side for a while this season, too. When you get a team that is on a streak of dominance, it's really easy to look at them and say, well, who, are you, who have you played? Because 
all the teams around you keep dropping in the rankings. But the part of the, part of the reason they keep dropping is because Indiana keeps beating them. It keeps beating them by, again, you know, 15, 20 points at a chunk and, and just, you know, I mean, at times playing these teams off the floor, it's, it's almost automatic how good this team has looked in, in stretches at both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. Obviously, when you look at the LSUs, when you look at the South Carolinas, even to some extent, maybe some of the more staid powers like your Stanfords and your UConn's, the, the big question I think you're going to have is you're going to probably face some teams that can throw a little bit more athleticism and a little bit more length at you. Again, I just talked about Indiana having a real advantage in some matchups and some, some size and some length advantage at some key spots on the floor. You know, when you lose some of that and you got to grind it, uh, possessions a little bit more, does that change things? Um, but, you know, if, if, if Indiana's not a legitimate Final Four contender, if Indiana's not a legitimate national championship contender, then, then I think we have grossly overestimated the Big Ten as a whole. Um, and that would surprise me. I think that this is, if, if anything, you know, when you consider, I know they're number two in the country, but, you know, when you consider the, just the, the sort of the attention that's been placed on, like, the South Carolina LSU matchup, for example, um, the... You know, obviously, this has gone around a lot on Twitter, and I don't. I, don't I, I get nervous entering conversations like this because I know it's what it sounds like coming from the IU writer for the Indianapolis Star. But it has been, you know, deeply confusing to try and understand why Mackenzie Holmes is not getting mentioned for National Player of the Year, why she's not seen as, as more of a basically a, a direct competitor to Caitlin Clark for Big Ten Player of the Year. She, I think, to be fair, she's probably pulled even if not slightly ahead in the conference race, but whenever anybody brings up National Player of the Year, she's almost never mentioned, which doesn't make any sense to me. So, if anything, I think there's a chance Indiana's undervalued right now and, and can continue to grow from here, but like I said, if, if they are not a legitimate Final Four contender, then um, <clears throat> then we have been wrong about the Big Ten for a long, a long time this season. All right, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joining me, starting our conversation today with the IU women, and they're just going to be—they've been so fun to watch. They're going to be fun to follow here into the postseason, which begins soon. Zach, we've got to talk IU men. They found a way to get it done at home over Illinois. A number of things I think to break down to discuss from that contest, but it was a monster second half from Trace Jackson Davis that really put I thought Indiana in a position to hang on and get the victory at home. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. You can kind of choose your own adventure from from Indiana's game Saturday. You can be worried that they're maybe becoming a little bit too reliant on Trace Jackson Davis and Dylan Hutchinson. You can look at the fact that Illinois didn't have Terrence Shannon. The way that Indiana sort of struggled to, to sort of match Illinois' energy for long periods of that game, um, or or you can just look at it and say, you know, frankly, these are the kinds of games you have to grind out at this time of year. You know, that that they're not all pretty. And there are going to be times, you know, I mean, the, the, the flip side to Illinois not having Terrence Shannon, obviously it's, it's an advantage for Indiana, no doubt, but it does turn your game plan inside out a little bit when suddenly uh, the guy that it's been built around, presumably at least one of maybe two, is, is just not there. And suddenly your covers are different. You're not really sure, you know, how to adjust on certain things. Um, and I thought Illinois also, to its credit, I thought Illinois played hard. I thought the, 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 the game plan was good. And I thought you also saw an Illinois team that just played with zero pressure, essentially, because they would not have been expected to win this game without Shannon. And Indiana just kind of had to find a way to muddle through. It wasn't always pretty. Um, and, again, 
you know, maybe we look back on this game in, in three weeks and we say that was proof Indiana was starting to slow down or whatever. I think it's also possible we look back on this game in two or three weeks and we say that's the kind of game that a team that wants to be a three seed maybe wants to be, you know, I know right now, according to the bracket reveal, there's the first four. Um, you know, that that's the kind of game where you just you, you grind your way through it and that is what separates you on Selection Sunday in getting a better seed, a better starting point in the NCAA tournament, a, a better site selection, whatever it might be. You know, Zach, I, I want to bring up some things, um, and I'm curious your thoughts on this as well. There's a lot of excitement with this team. I don't know if there's any question about that. They're an NCAA tournament team. They're playing each and every game for, as you just mentioned, a better seed, a better site, so many other things that, that go on there. But that said, I think there's a few things that concern or should concern Indiana fans with this team. Number one, that's if Trace Jackson Davis ever laid an egg or ever faced some sort of challenge that he couldn't find with help from the coaches away past. You know, I don't know how Indiana would fare. He has been so consistent now for so many games, it's almost unbelievable. And then bench production for this Indiana team. I've been looking at those numbers over the last few games, and it's just simply not been good, especially against Northwestern, and it really wasn't better against Illinois. So thinking ahead, maybe what are some of the concerning points to this program, which has been really hot here in 2023 and made a lot of improvements and increased their standing or improved their standing in the conference and really set themselves up to not be a bubble team, to be surely in the tournament. Uh, what are some of the concerns, though, that maybe fans should have as they think about trying to make a run through the Big Ten tournament, or uh, how far could this Indiana team go? What are some of the things on the negative side? Yeah, I think a few things jump out. And, you know, listen, this, this time of year, you're, you're, we're having these conversations because the expectations have been raised on Indiana. And so you're, you're nitpicking to try and figure out what, you know, what is, um, what could be, you know, what could pull this team apart. I think um, a few things jump out to me. One is, is Trace Jackson Davis, just his usage. You know, he's playing still almost 93% of possible minutes in Big Ten play. Does he wear down at some point? Does he, you know, do you get to a point where he starts to, I don't want to say pick up injuries, but pick up, you know, just sort of bumps and bruises that ultimately aren't going to heal without more time off than Indiana can give him? Um, obviously, you're also always worried if a player like that gets into foul trouble. You know, he has not been a foul-prone player really at any point through his career, and he's, he's you know, he's, he's, he's never committed more than 2.7 fouls per 40 minutes in a season in his career. Right now he's committing 1.9. That's a career low. But all it takes is, you know, a couple mistakes early in the first half of an NCAA tournament game, and, you know, suddenly you're without the highest usage player in your team. I think Jalen Hitchifino has, has been admirable in the way that he has sort of assumed point guard duties for this team, and he's had some impressive moments. To be fair, he has also struggled at times. He was 5 of 17 from the floor on Saturday. He was um, 6 of 16 at Northwestern. He was 8 of 15 at Michigan. He was 2 of 9 against Rutgers. He's turned the ball over now 17 times in his last four games. Um, you know, it, it does feel sometimes like Indiana is, it's a weird thing to say, but almost relying too much on, on Hood Shafino and Jackson Davis. And this kind of comes into the third thing I'd bring up, which is Indiana has just stopped shooting threes. And, you know, some of that can be defenses, and some of it can just be the familiarity of opponents. But I, I had this in a, 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 my sort of Monday newsletter this morning. In 13 games before Christmas, Indiana attempted more than 15 threes 10 times. 
They have only attempted more than 15 threes twice since the turn of the year, since the Big Ten restart. And they've only attempted uh, since they're, since starting with uh, the January 11th loss at Penn State, they've only attempted more than 15 in a game one time. Um, that obviously hasn't hurt them from an efficiency perspective, at least insofar as they've been able to score so well on twos um, that, that, you know, it, it hasn't killed them per se. And if you look at some of their, you know, game-by-game numbers, like they still average 1.016 points per game against Illinois. They had a great, you know, points per uh, or excuse me, points per possession average against Illinois. They had a great points per possession average against Purdue, a really good one against Rutgers when you consider how good Rutgers is defensively. Um, but they have just stopped taking threes. The only player that is can, is still shooting with substantial volume is is Miller Cop. Um, and that just kind of leaves you in a place where it does feel a little bit like maybe your margin for error is kind of narrow, especially when you consider Indiana doesn't tend to force turnovers. Um, they're one of the lowest sort of teams in terms of opponent turnover rate in the country. And so that means you're not going to generate a bunch of extra possessions out of nothing. But the flip side of those things is, number one, you have, you know, Trace Jackson Davis doing his Tim Duncan impression. Number two, you have Jalen Huchifino for, for maybe some of his issues with inefficiency. Let's also be fair. In his last five games, he scored 16, 7, 21, 13, and 13 points. In his last four games, he has pulled down 17 rebounds. In his last five games, he's also got, I think, 14 assists. So it's not like he's a zero. He's just a little bit less efficient than he used to be. And the other part of this, too, is, you know, sometimes we lose sight a little bit at this time of year of the fact that you're playing teams twice and you're playing them on a much longer turnaround, typically than what you're going to see in the NCAA tournament, certainly if you get to the second game of a weekend. The Big Ten knows Indiana, and and my point here is, most of the teams Indiana will see in the first two, three rounds of the NCAA tournament won't. And so you can sit here and fret about game plans and things like that, but the reality is, on the flip side, they can review film and things, they can cram and all that, but, you know, I'm just making this up. Let's say Indiana got Auburn in a 3-6 matchup in the round of 32. Well, Auburn would have 48 hours to study Trace Jackson Davis. And, and it would not have the learned experience of having played him once already in January or having played him twice last year or any of that sort of thing. And so that, that's where this kind of balances out on the backside where, you know, some of what Indiana is going through right now might also just be the fact that they're facing a lot of teams for the second time. Teams are more familiar with their habits and their, and their customs and, and you know, their, their tendencies. And that's not going to be quite such an issue in a tournament setting. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very it, – these are the hairs you split when you're talking about one of the top 12 to 15 teams in the NCAA tournament field, and Indiana hasn't been in that range in a while. Um, but I think this is – I think that it, it is fair to um, – I think it is fair if you're, if you're asking, you know, what could hold this team back. So those are some of the things that, that come up to me. Absolutely. Great stuff there from Zach Osterman. We're up against a commercial break. But, Zach, thank you so much for – the time today as always on Mondays and we'll talk with you again next week absolutely thanks for having me as always we'll head to a commercial break when we come back more on the local sectionals coming up in the girls state finals with two Harrison County teams Chad Gilbert will join me here in just a break in just a bit after the break this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison 
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. and for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. I need to spend a couple minutes going through some text messages here on the Thornton's text line. Texter says, I attended both the men's game on Saturday and the women's game on Sunday. The enthusiasm and crowd participation was tremendous on both days. I think our women's team could possibly win the national title. I know that's a long way off, but I've watched South Carolina a few times, and they have a huge and athletic front line, but we have more three-point shooters than they do. And if we could get them open and they could connect – I believe it's a possibility. Well, uh, thank you for that, and uh, fun to hear you rep both games over the weekend. Uh, also, Texter, I meant to get to this with Zach, but we ran out of time. Texter writes, I didn't understand why Trace Jackson Davis in the first half kept getting the ball in the corner on the baseline. That was the perfect spot on the floor for the double team. He had nowhere to go. I saw that same thing. Thank you for the message. And also a text. I love these texts on high school stuff. Texter on the Thornton's text line says that Seymour sectional, in my opinion, is wide open. The wins and the losses at that sectional mean nothing. It's one of the toughest in the state. I agree. Boy, Seymour has been home to not only some great sectionals in recent years, but also some great postseason basketball uh, in general, that's for sure. More high school hoops discussion coming right now. Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School, is with me. And I'll tell you what, Chad, as we uh, talk about pairings locally, when I look around at the local sectionals involving so many of our local teams, I know that Scottsburg, probably on paper, the favorite at Charlestown, but I do think yours, that you're going to host in your wonderful facility, might be one of the more interesting sectionals to see how things play out in a few weeks. It's going to be exciting. Um, it's a seven-team sectional, so it's a little different. You know, if you think of the Seymour sectional where it's Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, up here at Charlestown, it's one game Tuesday, two games on Wednesday, two games Friday, championship Saturday. We'll run it at 7 o'clock on the uh, – Tuesday and Saturday games, then go 6 and 7.30-ish for the uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. It has a chance to be very good. You know, the Tuesday night game with Corden and North Harrison, that's a rivalry game. You know, people down here sometimes forget about what a big rivalry game that is. Um, Corden has had an outstanding season. I just hope their fans aren't still punch drunk off their girls' run to the state championship. That's something we've had before here at Charlestown is, you know, whether it's Salem, Silver Creek, whoever, their girls' teams make a deep, deep run in the girls' sectional. Their crowd doesn't come quite as strong as they normally would. Hopefully they'll get behind, they'll dig down deep and come in deep and uh, help support the Corden uh, boys' team this because I think it's going to be an outstanding sectional. Speaking of which, just thinking the girls, good luck to the girl, the uh, Corden girls' team this week in the state championship. Man, they are very, very good, and I think they have a chance to win it. A fact on that is every team – in the Mid Southern Conference, have been to the state finals in girls basketball. Pretty remarkable if you come if you start to think about that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I was getting ready to say, let's pause on the girls or on the boys stuff, excuse me, and talk a lot of little girls. We'll get back to some of the local boys sectionals. I want to get your thoughts on some of those uh, here in just a few minutes. But the girls, two teams from Harrison County. I think that is also remarkable. 
Lanesville in 1A, Corden in 3A. And another little sidebar note, and your Mid-Southern Conference fact is really cool, Another little sidebar note to Lanesville is, you know, Joe Hinton, for listeners that haven't followed girls basketball or haven't seen Coach Angie Hinton and the Lanesville Eagles play, Joe Hinton, an assistant, the former Floyd Central boss, the guy that is a legend here in basketball in our area and in our state, uh, he has been a big part of that. It's neat to see him still rolling along with high school basketball, doing what Coach Hinton loves and also helping Angie at the same time. So um, I, I'm I'm excited for Harrison County, excited for our area to have two teams, even if they don't win, to get to experience a state championship atmosphere. Chad, you can speak on that as well in your role with the IHSA. But I'm also really, really happy for Coach Joe Hinton to get an opportunity to be part of another really big game and see if he can be part of a state championship staff. We'll backtrack a little bit with Bedford and Forest Park going in as well. The South in our area here is really, really well represented wouldn't that be something if all four teams could pull that out of the South and win a state championship? Um, going back to Lanesville, outstanding year for them. You know, Angie Hinton got to win the semi-state on the new Albany court in which she coached the Bulldogs to a state championship. And, you know, a quick shout-out to B.J. Uh, McAllister for hosting that semi-state. Those things are not easy to do. And for him and his staff to pull that off first year running that, congratulations to him. But you talked about Joe Hinton, Matt. He was a winner before winners were winners, if that makes sense. I mean, think about all the stuff he's done. The multiple times he's been to the state finals as a basketball coach. Let's think a little bit about his cross-country coaching career. You know, is there anybody who's in the Hall of Fame as a cross-country and basketball Hall of Fame? I mean, what he does is he brings the absolute best out of people. If you've ever been around him, you've ever talked to him, and if you haven't, if you got, if any fan gets a chance to talk to him, his son's coaching O'Cordon Corden right now. So they're going to have a very, very busy couple weeks here. Just someone that is a pleasure to coach or a, a pleasure to talk to and gets the absolute most out of his players. Um, very smart. You know, he thinks, thinks of things outside the box and puts his kids in a position to be successful. And that's one thing you see all good coaches do is they put kids in a position – where they show their strength and hide their weaknesses. No one better than Joe Hinton. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, and he joins me Mondays as we talk local sports here on the show. Uh, Chad, let's get back into some of the boys' sectionals. Um, I think really 1A through 4A, there's a lot of interesting storylines. And I know some sectionals, there's more of a clear-cut favorite or in some cases maybe two favorites. But 1A's a little different. It's at West Washington. I know there's been a few small changes. New Washington now uh, in a different sectional, and that kind of messes up some of the tradition there. But I can see Borden and Christian Academy, also South Central, both as real competitors for that 1A sectional. I think the environment at the 1A, a sectional it's always great those communities bring such great fans but looking across everything your sectional in 3a seymour a place i love to be uh in 4a obviously i'm not so sure southwestern hanover as far as a two-game set doesn't excite me for what it could be on semifinal night southwestern drew the bye it very likely could be southwestern and henryville that should be a good game and then if everything works out brownstown if they beat pekin as they would be favored to do in the 
first round, if Providence can get past rival Clarksville again, the second game there would be Brownstown and Providence. Those two teams played in the very first game of the season. Casey Kalen was injured in that game. I think Ryan Miller and his team know Brownstown would be a big challenge. Uh, we had Coach Benner on the program last night. His son has had an amazing season. But that little two-game set there, that, that might take the cake for where I want to be on sectional semifinal night. And before we get started, what do you mean last night? You had a sectional show without me? To our show, man. You were busy. I was getting ready to bring it. It was the guest. It was the other person. Ten coaches were the guests. We had a a And just you solo. Yes, just me solo. Yep. Hey, you were busy busy at Purdue with Mr. Edie. I'll talk about that in a moment. Oh, well, we'll we'll talk. Anyway, uh, 1A, you talked about that. That's going to be an outstanding sectional. Uh, You know who's happy? New Washington. They're hosting, and they've got a legitimate chance to get out. That will be... uh, very good for them, but the West Washington will be a knockdown drag out. We'll, we'll circle back to two-way again because I think both you and I think that's going to be the crown jewel, with, not just in certainty and in the state. 4A, Coach Wilkerson's got to be happy with his draw. Uh, wide open? No, it's not wide open. The teams on the top half of the bracket is who's going to win it. It's either going to be James County, Bedford, or Jeffersonville. Um, they, the other teams are, are great teams. Seymour on their home court is going to be very hard to beat. Boys playing better. Do all be on Coach Shannon's last time out, which I do want to harp on just a second. They're they're going to be hard out, but that Bedford James County is going to be a battle as well as the Jeffersonville winner of that. That, that top bracket will determine who wins that sectional, and it's going to be those are going to be outstanding games. Speaking of New Albany, Coach Shannon's final game Friday night. I hope all of Southern Indiana, if you're not playing, you get a chance to go out and wish Coach Shannon. Uh, just best of luck and thank him for all the years that he's given New Albany Bulldogs because that's a legend and there's not going to be another coach in for a long, long time. And for what he's done for Southern Indiana basketball, I hope our fans, I know his players appreciate it, but I hope our fans around here, not just from New Albany, but everywhere, give an opportunity to tell him thank you. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up, Chad. I've heard from so many former players and just different people, some people coming in from town that uh, from far away for this deal on Friday to see him in his final game at the Doghouse. So that will be weird. We're going to broadcast that game on Friday. Uh, all the years I've been with him, around him, covered him, uh, it's going to be weird to see him walk off of that floor for the final time at home. I'm just, I'm just an outstanding person. You know, I'd I've talked about him many, many times. I can't say enough good things about him. So that that will be a great event, and I hope a lot of people come out. Right. Uh, going Shifting to 3A, Matt, you know, it, it's going to be a battle. Do you think anybody wants to play North Harrison and Lou? There's nobody wants to play them. You know, with that rivalry, that's going to be good. Charlestown, we're playing better. Silver Creek destroyed us early in the year in our home court. We got a little bit of revenge in our mind on that one, but I think Scottsburg's the favorite going in. Which, good and bad, there's a bullseye on their back. And then the 2A, my gosh, Matt, there's not going to be a better section of the state. Providence, um, Brownstown, of course, will be the matchup everybody's looking forward to. But, you know, there's a lot of good teams there. Clarksville is capable of beating anybody. Southwestern is setting the best spot they can possibly be in. Henryville's very good. Uh, Peak and Eastern, I mean, just a lot of good basketball in that 2A section. That's going to be an outstanding place for basketball people to be at is Southwestern next week. Remind me, you've got games on in sectional week. You've got two on Tuesday, one on... One on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, two on Friday, one on Saturday. I love it. I'll catch uh, our broadcast games on Wednesday and then try to hit your place on... or Excuse me, on Tuesday and then try to hit your place on Wednesday. Always looking to extend that sectional week just a little bit. Those Wednesday night games give you the opportunity to do so. 
Most wonderful time of the year, Matt. All right. Uh, real quick, you were at Purdue yesterday, right? You and the family had a chance to meet Big Zach Eady. Did I see that right? You know, we had, we had a great time. We got to go to IHSA Wrestling this weekend, and you want to talk about a great event. That's outstanding for our wrestlers. Well, part of that was a trip to Purdue. Uh, coaches let us come back in the locker room after the game, see all the guys. The kids had a blast. And, my goodness, Mackey Arena was rocking. Yeah, and Zach Eady's a big guy. Chad, you're a tall guy. Zach Eady is huge. My uh, sister my sister said, now I know how other people feel around me. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday edition of the program. If you missed the tournament pairing show, you can catch it as a podcast. Just search the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You'll find it there. Back with you Tuesday, this is the Hoosier Report. WXVW Jeffersonville.